This is Takeaway Only, a podcast about the hospitality industry in crisis. I'm Howie Kahn, and these are the stories of the people who take care of you. Today's guest is Tang Wen Wee. His restaurant group, Lo and Behold, is one of the finest in Singapore. During COVID-19, his 16 concepts are undergoing massive changes. Straits Clan is feeding migrant workers. Odette is doing Michelin three-star takeaway meals. Nearly 100 people in his group have lost their jobs. Coming up, Teng takes us through his 200-day plan, shares his thoughts on the fate of Singapore's beloved hawker centers, and talks about the future of an island where communal eating has always been an essential act. We're back tomorrow with an all-new guest. Please hit subscribe so you don't miss it. Stay tuned now for Tang. My guest today on Takeaway Only, joining me from Singapore, is Tang Wenwe, managing partner of Lo and Behold Group. You have 16 concepts? 16? Pretty much. Okay, so that means shifts in 16 different restaurants, 16 different concepts to close and open. Um, tell me about, you know, what went down in, in your decision. And I know, you know, the curve in Singapore seemed to be flattened and there seemed to be like a victory for a minute and then it just kind of spiked. So take me through your, your process and what's going on down there. Thank you, Howie. No, I pretty much was an apt answer because that, that number is uncertain. And will continue to be um, given, given the the winds that are uh, bl- blowing against us. Uh, you know, S- Singapore, you know, had handled it almost perfectly. I think it was coming out of it so strong. And 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 you know, this slip up is is a real cautionary tale to to every uh, cu- country and government that is dealing with this. Um, you know, we we had pretty much um, we were b- the leading example of how to do it. Uh, we had we were con- contact tracing to to no end. Uh, you know, the, the, we launched the, the government launched an app um, that was you know our, our population is five million people and one point five million people are using that app, which automatically gives you uh, a hyper accurate as, uh, ability to to trace everyone, um, and and that's the level of of advancement that that we took. Um, but now, you know, we're up to 20, 20, 25,000 cases. Um, and gr- granted, you know, it's, it's mainly foreign workers. Um, but that number is, is scary on a total number basis. Uh, the, the, the number of deaths is something that, you know, we've managed to contain. And that's, that's below, below 20 at current. Um, and um, we, we hope that, that things are under control. But in terms of, in terms of how... Where, where we are in the life cycle, you know, we, we had rush and how it affected restaurants. Um, we were under very strict social distancing before this lockdown. And I think it gives, I think we're able to share some insights about, you know, how, how that has affected us. And, and it gives, uh, I guess, a glimpse into what it will start to look like for, for countries that, that come out of a lockdown. What happened with the, with the spread? What precipitated the uh the the rise in the curve was it that people went back to work too early on on construction sites and doing manual labor was it the fact that uh migrant workers live in very close quarters in dorms and aren't able to socially distance it's exactly that yeah so you know a lot of these dorms are cramped some of them are are converted from factories um and they sleep up to 20 in a room so i think it was uh 
probably a, a, an oversight uh, to some degree. But just, you know, frankly, those are the, the, the crime conditions they live in. And uh, the spread was hyper uh, to, to the extent that uh, it, it makes up almost, you know, 99% of all the numbers currently. So, so the community spread uh, outside of those numbers is about single digits currently per day. Tell me about your restaurants. Tell me about, you know, the decision to shut it down and, and when it happened and what that was like for you. I mean, hundreds of people work for you. How many people work for you? We had um, just over 400 in the group uh, and it was extremely emotional um, because just over a month ago, we, after exhausting uh, every other avenue, we, we, we let go of 25% of our workforce. Uh, so that's close to 100 people, um, and we um, basically announced this at the start of the circuit breaker, we call it, which is the lockdown. Um, so I personally went from venue to venue uh, conveying this news, um, and it's by far the toughest day of my career, uh, where we were all masked up. Uh, we, we, many of us were in, in tears, and we were saying goodbye to to colleagues who had been with us uh, some some close to 15 years um, and some of some of whom had to not just lose their jobs but had to go back to you know to countries that, that they had come from um, and all this while what we you know we're socially distancing so there's no there's crying there's no hugging there's you know waving from a distance it was tough uh, it was a tough uh, period for a lot of us and it was it was equally tough for the, for the colleagues who were staying uh, because it's uh, it's, we all know there's going to be tough times for them. Um, I think we, we've, we've tried our best as, um, as a people first company to be as, as caring as possible to those who are leaving. Uh, and I know for a fact that, uh, you know, the, the colleagues who are leaving will not be able to find work in this industry uh, for, for months, if not years to come. So we, start, we started a, a fund uh, for them. Uh, I kickstarted it with a, a year of, of, of my salary. Um, and we've, got, we've gotten donation from loyal guests, from, from Straits Clan members. Um, and that will go some way uh, to, to helping them to, to um, be comfortable again. What does the government offer in Singapore in terms of unemployment? The, the government has done a few things for the industry, um, and it's been quite progressive. Uh, and, and beyond the, the ideas, the, the expediency and the efficiency of rolling it out has been amazing. Uh, so there's um, a job support scheme, which is 75% of a local, um, of a local staff's pay uh, is covered uh, for a few months. Um, the problem with that, though, is that it doesn't cover foreigners, um, and there's a cap. Uh, so I think a lot of companies, a lot of restaurants have uh, let foreigners go as a result. Uh, we have, have taken it upon ourselves to not make that distinction. Um, the, our foreign uh, colleagues have, have been the bearer of our companies for a while, and uh, we're not making that distinction. Uh, the government has also um, is, now, is now thinking about how to pressure uh, landlords um, as well as uh, give give support on the property tax front, so that has been helpful because labor, as you know, labor and uh, rental are, are the two big uh, fixed costs. So you, you you're somewhat confident that the government's going to come through and, and take care of that to some degree. I think it's still backward looking. Uh, I don't think it fully captures uh, the the long tail of what we'll see. 
uh, I think it's still, to me, this, this lockdown is a bit of a calm before the storm. Um, and I think when we reopen, what we will see is, is very empty restaurants. Um, and, and that's something that they, they haven't quite, um, uh, the, the support for that is, is, is not in place yet. What was your, your shutdown date? It was uh, a, a month ago. So that is uh, a, around mid, mid-April? Yeah. And the idea is to be closed through mid-June? We'll be open in uh, first of, uh, well, it's still uncertain, uh, but the, the official lockdown ends the 1st of June. The 1st of June. Is that, yeah. you know, they keep kind of changing that here in New York anyways? I mean, it, yeah. it, it's, very, it's very uncertain. So are you feeling the same way about that date? Like, it's it, hoping for June 1st? Yeah, no, it's, you know, the, the, the news was changing. Um, the, the restrictions were changing on almost a, you know, two to three day basis in Singapore before the lockdown, right? So it would be like, okay, now you can have X number of people in the restaurant. They need to be sitting X meters apart. And uh, so a lot of those measures were in place already. Uh, now they're saying that, you know, even when they, we do open, it's questionable whether restaurants can open. It's questionable to what extent uh, we can we can fill our restaurants. So all of which mean uh, a long period of uh, of pain. Have you seen these pictures of restaurants in like the Netherlands that are building glass shelters for people to eat yes. in, and restaurants in Thailand with plastic barriers between tables? And I saw one in in rural Sweden. I think that was, you know, kind of moved into the into the woods. Are you thinking? I mean, Singapore is an incredibly dense place, and I, you know, outside of New York City and, and Tokyo, I don't I don't know another place where people sit as closely to each other as they do in Singapore. Are you thinking about any creative solutions in terms of how to separate people? Yeah, so in Singapore, if you look at it visually, the, every other seat has an X on it. Uh, like it could be in a park, you could be in a, on an escalator, in a lift. Uh, everything is marked out. Um, I, L- I literally, literally marked. Marked out. So I don't know where all this masking tape is coming from. You could be in the most rib- on a bus stop and, and the seats are marked out. Uh, I, I, so, I, you know across the board every small restaurant indoor restaurant restaurant in a mall has suffered uh, exponentially more um as a group we're quite fortunate some of some of our venues are a little bit more skewed towards being larger and a bit more outdoors uh, and and to the end we, we think that um a lot of our guests will be eating will be choosing to eat outdoors uh, before they, they choose to eat indoors so two of our venues for, for Tanjong Beach Club and White Rabbit, uh, two of our restaurants, we're starting to, we've, we've created um, meals that can be picnic, picnic baskets that you can be taking out and uh, enjoying in parks. In the case of Tanjong Beach Club, uh, trays, you know, with, with fresh coconuts and, and, and margaritas and, and fish and chips that you can take out to the beach. Um, so we do think that, you know, the, the, the comfort of dining will, will, will Come in uh, will come progressively, uh, and they'll start with with dining out in the parks, dining out on beaches. As of now, th- those uh, those options are still closed off. You can't sit by a beach. Um, you can't you can't sit on a grass patch in a park. Eating 
publicly eating outside and eating in mass is is the thing that's really critical to Singapore's cultural identity. I don't know many other countries whose culture is tied so closely to food and eating and gathering. And a big part of that are, are the hawker centers that are spread all throughout the country. It, what does this mean for those vendors? It's already a vulnerable business as, you know, the generations change and, and younger people don't want to carry out the work of their parents and grandparents and, and aunties and uncles, but the people love eating it. So what do you, what do you think the, the net result's going to be there? I was pretty scared for that category at first, concerned. Um, and, and you're completely right. It is the social fabric of what makes up Singapore, not, not just the experience, but at, at the price point that, that it, it, it really allows um, families and, and, and the whole strata of society to, to affordably. Uh, you know, they've been a lot more nimble um, than, than you would expect. Um, so many of them have joined delivery platforms or their own delivery platforms. Uh, and the take up has been great. Uh, the government has been fantastic in that regard. So some of them, because they are amazing cooks and amazing cooks at volume, they have been roped in to help to cook for, for the most needy. So migrant workers, for example, are being um, cared for and fed by, by hawkers. So the government has taken, you know, um, uh, supply and matched it with demand, which has been phenomenal. And uh, for the most part, uh, on on the on the on the part of rental, uh, most most hawkers are um, in government uh, hawker centers, if you will. And uh, the government has been the most progressive landlord. So they have been the right off the bat, the, the most generous uh, and forward thinking. So I, th- I think they'll be okay. I think they'll be okay at the end of this, thankfully. That's great. I mean, in terms of people, I've waited in line for over an hour for a certain bowl of laksa or a certain kind of chicken rice. Is, are the lines just going to be kind of X'd out and staggered differently? Oh, completely. Uh, yeah, you can't, you can't, you know, there are there's active enforcement as well. If you're like encroaching on someone's one meter, you know, there's, there's a risk of getting told off. I do like that. I like that in Singapore, like the laws and the rules are not left up to interpretation and, and imagination. You know, they will literally draw the X in the street. There will be people enforcing. They'll probably create jobs based on an enforcement squad. Yes. And I think that clarity has been helpful. You know, I was, I was listening to a David Chang podcast and he said, you know, where are the standards? You know, we, we are, we are, as, as chefs and restaurateurs, we're, we're here to cook. We're not here to define uh, safety standards, right? Uh, and I think um, on, on that front, it has been very clear, right? So from, uh, it's been very clear what it takes to be safe. So everyone who's come in, uh, you know, has, has the temperature taken. That's, that's a, a staple. Uh, you know, the, the X's are marked out. Uh, what you can and cannot do is, is, is very defined. I would say to, you know, American chefs who are looking for that kind of leadership to just look to other countries who know how to do it. Anyone can get masking tape and put X's on a seat. It's just a matter of who's actually doing it and who's not. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I think our, our challenge is, is how, do we, how do we take that but make it even more, um, more robust? How do you come out truly building uh, a company that people uh, love, trust, uh, and respect? 
And for you, how do you, you know, how do you combine that with the part of hospitality that you love? I know you love running restaurants. You love creating experiences for people. You love welcoming people in, in your spaces. So, you know, there has to be ideas around how do we make this this new form of separation, even within the restaurants, something that somehow feels good to people. Yeah, we've we've had to be um, extremely creative and, and, and extremely nimble in how we're thinking about this. I think, you know, you mentioned um, Odette, and I think that's a, a great example of, of uh, a concept that, you know, it's uh, probably the only three-star three restaurant that in, in, in the span of a couple of days managed to pivot to, to becoming a full uh, takeout and, and delivery uh, business. And it's been phenomenal. Um, I think the way that they've approached it, um, there's an element of, uh, there's, there's so much of the restaurant that flows into your home when you're having that meal. Um, it's, it's, it's not just the, the food and the packaging, but how they've created the dishes. There's an element of interactivity. So there's a, there's a story that comes with the dish. Uh, and there's a component that places the, 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 the responsibility with the, with the guests to, to finish the dish, to plate the dish. Um, and there's been a ton of, of interaction in terms of, uh, there's a, a mini competition that's actually happening about you know, how you take that dish and how you uh, interpret and, and finish it at, at home. And you're um, seeing the results on social media? Yes, uh, and beyond. I, it's, it's doing phenomenally well. Uh, this, this Mother's Day, um, they actually hit a record, record sales for the restaurant, uh, despite not being able to see anyone. Um, that's happening here I too. I know restaurants like Alinea, you know, have had some of their best days ever. Yes. That said, I, 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 you know, I would say that this is definitely an, an anomaly, right? And um, for, for the most part, you know, delivery and takeaway is going to be a, uh, a small uh, band-aid uh, for, for restaurants. The Odette menu is really, really beautiful. I kind of can't believe how how robust it is. You know, it is a Michelin three-star restaurant, and you guys have chosen to create um, a pretty lengthy menu with with a lot of choices from, you know, pigeon pie to crab dumplings, a whole breast chicken. There's a lot of desserts. There's a floating island you can do at home, which sounds like a pretty uh, difficult degree of, of execution. So I, I really admire done your research clearly <laughs> I, I have uh, <laughs> You've been salivating online well you know the, the same way I, I would dream about travel and, and actually going places in in a regular time I'm now kind of scanning the, the globe's takeaway offerings just kind of you know it's 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 good to have a fantasy and the fantasy is unfortunately not sitting in the restaurant anymore it would be sitting outside the restaurant or sitting nearby but this is this is beautiful food I mean Julian is, is such a talented chef and it, it's cool to see you know his talents be put to use in, in this regard and also you guys are doing this the straits clan community kitchen right and that's from your your private club straits straits clan um where you guys are helping to feed some of the the you know dormed immigrant laborers 450 meals a day seven days a week tell me about that that's right you know at, at first we were thinking about setting up a, a soup kitchen for the many uh, food and beverage uh professionals that would be losing their, their, their jobs in this time. But as we were planning that, what started to happen was the, the immense rise in, in migrant worker cases. 
and we connected uh, with them directly and, and realized that there was a real need for, for good food, uh, for food in, in the first place. So we were connected with um, a specific dormitory uh, that was converted for, from a factory. So it, was, it wasn't even purpose-built as a, as, as a dorm. Gold, um, gold mine was, energy, right? Exactly. And they were flagged for having um, uh, very, very bad living conditions and, and beyond that, uh, poor food options. So it's been, it's been extremely fulfilling for the team um, and, and grueling because preparing 450 meals a day packed individually is, is no, no small feat. And they've been doing this seven, seven days a week now. Um, and it's been a, a volunteer effort, tough. Uh, everyone is masked up and, um, and social distanced. Um, but it's been fulfilling to be able to use our resources um, in, in the toughest of times to be able to support something like this. And I know you, your chefs there, uh, Daniel Sia and, and Damien De Silva, have been taking the lead on that. What kind of food are they making and sending out? You know, they've been thinking about the end, the end consumer, and they're largely uh, South Indian. Um, so lots of, lots of curries but with, with great fresh vegetables, lots of protein, uh, and, and meals that will, will nourish them and, and, and keep them healthy. Um, who, who delivers it? It's, I know you guys are teamed up with, like, this is, you know, collective of, of migrant efforts and alliance of guest workers outreach and a bunch of NGOs. So who, who does the, the on foot drop? We, we work with a transport company. Uh, and yeah, it's that, that part is, is relatively straightforward. It's the, it's the production that is uh, challenging, but, but meaningful. Uh, tell me about your leadership style during this this crisis. How are how are you managing, and and what's important to you to convey to you know not only the people who work for you, but to the the community. I mean, the restaurants in Singapore are, are really part of a, a collective, and the way they they feed the island is is really special. So how are how are you thinking about your community, your staff, and your role? A few things. I think, you know, as I touched on briefly just now, um, there's no doubt that, you know, many, many jobs will be lost. We've tried our best to be as uh, intentional as possible about how to, how to care as much as possible, despite, despite that. Um, so so for, for our colleagues that are leaving, we've, we've ensured that they are, insu- they are insured um, until the end of the year. Um, We've pivoted our HR team to help them to find jobs. We've pivoted our marketing team to help them with their resumes. Uh, and, and we're actively trying to help them find roles in and out of the industry. Uh, I, think, I think that demonstrating that in, in the toughest of times when we, we, when we have to deliver bad news, we can still um, care as much as possible for, for our alumni uh, is something that we're trying to, trying, uh, to lead uh, to demonstrate that the, that the industry and lead, lead by example. Um, I think for, for me, what has been uh, a, a very quick uh, uh, pivot is, you know, I, I've always been someone who is, you know, kind of belabors the point. I've been a bit of a perfect, I mean, we are as restaurateurs meant to kind of focus on the details and deliver to exacting standards. And I think it's in these times that I've, you know, just been forced to to be extremely agile to to work with uh, an ever changing and kind of amorphous 
uh, landscape, and it's just clearly very imp imperfect information. But but make make tough calls and 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 stand by them. Uh, and I think that's that's been a, a big pivot for us from a leadership point of view in terms of how we how we think and how we operate. So it's 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 extreme agility. Uh, we've we've mapped out uh, a two hundred day plan for the group, um, and the first one hundred days is is really how to how to pivot to survive. Uh, and the next hundred days is framed by how how do we come out of this uh, tr truly uh, leading uh, and tr and truly um, being a company that is uh, that is respected and loved. Um, and that's that's a hell of a short time to to turn a, a company around, but we're, we're treating it like like a, it's a whole new company. Uh, and, and I think that's that nimble approach is it's is, is what's it's going to take to to survive this. Assuming June first is the is the date you guys can reopen. Does every concept of yours open? Are are they all coming back? Do you think some are never coming back? Is it a smaller company you're you're going to reopen? I think some some will some will not. Uh, some will open under very different circumstances. Um, as I said, we've you know already lost a quarter of our of our of our people. Um, so the the ways that we would have to operate will be markedly uh, markedly different. Yeah. And in in what fields, if any, have these people had success in finding new jobs? It's tough. Uh, there is um, an unemployment. Uh, an unemployment benefit uh, in Singapore. It's measly. Uh, it's about 500 US a month. Um, I mean, jobs that are in demand are, are, you know, supermarkets are doing incredibly well. Health and safety kind of offices and officials are in high demand. So those are the kind of jobs that we're helping them to to try to secure and find. You're a dad, you have a small child, you're, you're a husband. What what are you going to do with your family when you can have a meal outside of the house again? What do you What do you envision? How do you see that experience playing out? I talk constantly about the the restaurants that Ava, our daughter, hasn't been to yet, um, and she's a huge she's a huge foodie. Uh, she lives for food, and in many ways, we 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 manage to keep her in check because we we tell her, you know, what 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 behavior is expected in a restaurant. Is she three? Uh, she's almost four. Almost uh, four. So, so she's been to most in the group. She has not been to Isora, our Japanese uh, restaurant, uh, nor uh, Odette. So those are the two that I would love to take her to. And I think she's under the official age, but um, um, there in maturity, uh, ready, uh, uh, ready to, to sit down and have a full meal. I think I think that'll be a special experience for you guys. Is there a new reckoning with the vulnerability of of what can be lost in all this? I mean, I know restaurants always operate on on thin margins to to begin with, but what does it feel like as somebody who's built a whole group to kind of understand that regardless of how strong you build your your structure that other things can just kind of overtake it and and shut it down? It's it's definitely humbling, but I think you know things move so quickly that you don't have you know it it, it takes so long to build as you said it takes so so long and so many decision collective decisions to build a team and build something up and to hire someone. Um, but you know so you, you're forced to make decisions so quickly when it when it goes in the opposite direction. I think that's been a a, a forced adjustment, but a critical one. 
I, I feel that way too. I mean, I'm, I'm also a deliberator, like quick, quick decisions is, is not my thing. It's not many people's things. And, and in this case, it's just kind of like in an emergency, you have to decide fast, which is odd. Um, what, what is the future of hospitality? What can hospitality give people when restaurants start opening again? And what is it giving to people even now? I, I'm glad to report that it's bringing so much joy to people at home today. Uh, I, I, I think Singapore, for one, uh, already had a great uh, and, oh, world-class food landscape. But at this point, if you were truly want to want to enjoy it at home, you are, there's no better place to be in the world. You could have a piping hot cha kway teow uh, or, a wrapped, uh, or unwrapped uh, popia um, delivered to you or a three-star Michelin a standard meal. And I don't think you can find that anywhere else in the world right now. Uh, I think we, we are, uh, as a family that has been eating at home, uh, amazed at the, the breath and the ability for things to, to travel uh, w- without losing at least the, um, the taste and, the, and, 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 and the, the taste uh, and the quality of the product. That, that said, the, the, the magic of, of walking into a space uh, and, and, to be tra- and to transport yourself into a different world via a restaurant um, and all the moving pieces and people that, that make that come to life uh, is, is something that truly holds so many, so many neighborhoods and so many uh, uh, communities together um, that, that I, I think something is truly lost if, if we lose a considerable number of independent restaurants. So we will be fighting uh, tooth, tooth and nail uh, to try our best to make sure that, you know, the core, I'm not going to say everything, but the core of, of what we do uh, remains and, and, and that magic. Um, and, and think very hard about how, at least in, in, this, uh, in this interim, we, we can bring uh, more joy to people's homes, take a low behold at home, uh, experience to to the next level. Uh, we've we've started to plan how to support our our suppliers and our farmers. Uh, so very soon we'll be taking the produce that we're so, so uh, that we're sourcing from all over the world uh, directly to to our guests. Uh, we've started to think about what what does a what does a sommelier's role look like when you're at home? Uh, can we create a bottle shop that is truly som led? Um, built around what psalms are drinking at home. Um, so we've started to think about some of those ideas and how to extend that in the interim uh, in order for us to, to, to survive and be relevant so that we can you know, run great restaurants all over again. Tang, our show is called Takeaway Only. What's your big takeaway from running the Lo and Behold group in Singapore during this time? It's been humbling on one hand uh, to know that you know what 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 as I mentioned can 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 take uh, years and decades to to build up um, the people the systems uh, the the concepts the the many tweaks to make something quote unquote you know close to perfect um, but have that all all crumble so so quickly. Uh, you know, but, at, but at the same time, I, I think it's an opportunity. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's an opportunity to, to, to restart and, and, and to rethink uh, how, how to build something again, uh, something new, 
that and that will hopefully stand the test of time and something that we can continue to do where we can continue to do right by by our people and by our guests thank you so much for being here i really love what you've built i love your restaurants and i, I love your country i can't wait to be back thank you howie that was tang wen we you can follow the Lo and Behold group on Instagram at Lo Behold Group. And you can learn more about the Straits Clan Community Kitchen at straitsclan.com slash community kitchen. Thank you so much for listening. Takeaway Only is produced by Casey Khan, Rob Corso, and me, Howie Khan, for Free Time Media. Our logo is by Reynald Philippe at Beeples. Music by John Palmer. Special thanks to Kristen Millar, Antoine Ricardou, Raphael Weil, and to the whole team at Welcome. Check out their important community building work at welcomeconference.org. We're back tomorrow. This is Takeaway Only.